is burning. Welcome to World is Burning, the storytelling podcast for your climate anxiety. I'm Olivia. And I'm Elise. Today we're talking about cars. Cars, <laughs> all kinds of cars. I'm cars, gonna... trademark, and cars. Yes. Under, un, not underscore, lowercase. Yes. That's how my brain uh, is working these days. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy because I feel like I don't know anything about cars, but also cars are like the very center of my, and I feel like a lot of people's lives, so... Here we are talking about cars. Um. Yeah, I know. I was like <laughs> looking at and I was like, I don't really know what motor oil is. And then I was like, this does not matter. This is not essential <laughs> to the story. But yeah, yeah, definitely some things. But um, OK, so yeah. So you're going to talk about the VW emissions scandal and I'm yes. going to talk about the Pixar movies, Cars and Cars 2, yes. which I actually think will be really fun and goes back to a lot of things we've already talked about on the podcast. Yeah. So, oh, I'm also a little sick if you heard my voice break just then. So I apologize in advance <laughs> for you all having to listen to me. It'll be fine. You sound, you sound good to me. So, okay. All right. So I'll just jump into all of the messiness that is the VW emissions scandal. Go for it. So my sources are Car and Driver, BBC, CPA Journal, Bloomberg, DW, the EPA site, Clean Energy Wire, and Fortune. And I guess like it seems pretty obvious that all major corporations are emitting greenhouse gases, polluting in some capacity. Sometimes they don't meet regulatory goals by just like, oh, we didn't meet that goal. Sometimes there's not regulations in place at all. And so like, you know, pollution's happening, emissions are happening and that's just how it is. And it's totally legal, but it just sucks. And whatever, that is what it is. That's just the world we live in. Which we can change, but yes. We can change, but like, again, like major corporations, like just by the size, like maybe they have offsets, maybe they say there's zero emissions, but like, are they emitting? Yes. But today we're going to be talking about actual emissions fraud. And as I said, it is often referred to as the VW emission scandal. People also sometimes call it Dieselgate based on a couple of headlines, but I'm surprised that no one has come up with this as far as I could see. I think it's great to call it cheaty cheaty bang bang. That's just <laughs> me. But basically it all started in 2007 when VW launched its strategy 2018 with goals including doubling annual vehicle sales and ultimately becoming the biggest car company in the world. A big part of this strategy was increasing sales of diesel cars in the U.S. But the U.S. has really strict emissions around diesel cars. They're a little looser for, you know, trucks and commercial vehicles, but on cars, they're like the U.S. is very, very strict. So meeting those standards is something of a huge engineering challenge, especially if you want the cars to have like a really high performance for people who love to drive cars and just like love being on the road and feeling the car like it's it's a huge engineering challenge. But somehow starting in 2009, VW figures this out and their cars are passing tests up to EPA standards and everything seems great. They have a huge campaign around this even, around clean diesel. And they have this one ad called 
three old wives talk dirty. And essentially they say that the idea that Diesel is dirty is an old wives tale. But like the, oh the old wives in the car are still, they're all very like spunky old ladies. And like the, the joke is that like they have dirty minds and they like talk dirty, but their car is clean uh, or runs clean. <laughs> so it's like a silly little ad, but the messaging is very clear that VW's diesel cars are eco-friendly and they run cleanly. But people start noticing something kind of funky. While these cars are passing emissions tests, it's, it started seeming that they were performing completely different in real-world situations. So in 2011, the European Commission's Joint Research Center found that VW's diesel cars, their levels of harmful, harmful nitrogen dioxide emissions exceeded the EU levels by up to 14 times under real road operating conditions. So the International Council on Clean Transportation, or the ICCT, decided to have some people run tests in the U.S. Because the U.S. has such like rigorous standards, they thought like location-wise that would be a good place to start with people who know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. So West Virginia University Center for Alternative Fuels, Engines, and Emissions, or CAFEE, was tasked with performing these tests. When CAFEE compared the numbers of the railroad tests to the emission test numbers from the California Air Resources Board, they found that their numbers were astronomically higher. They found the JETA exceeded the U.S. nitrogen oxide emission standard by 15 to 35 times under real-world wow. conditions, and the Passat exceeded them by 5 to 20 times. Dr. Arvind Theruvengadam, who is the research assistant professor of CAFEE, said that the numbers were so crazy that after they did the test, the team started blaming each other for skipping steps and doing sloppy work. <laughs> They're like, you're doing, you did a bad job. And they kind of started fighting. But after they sat down and crunched the numbers, double and triple checked them, they were like, no, like those are the actual numbers. And those numbers do not line up with what the cars emit under test conditions. That is like how you check and see if a car is meeting those EPA regulations. So they found there were any external devices employed causing this difference in emission levels like under the different conditions. So they determined it had to be a software issue that was likely detecting the lack of steering wheel movement or maybe that the traction control in the car was turned off, which often happens during emissions testing. So it was sensing one of those conditions or maybe something else. And then once it sensed that, it kicked the car into a more EPA-friendly setting that emitted less. And then the switch was just so undetectable that like expert drivers, expert car people could not detect that but, that was happening. Yeah. So once this information wow. came to light, thanks to the CAFEE testing, the EPA went up to VW and was like, guys, what's going on? Yeah. Can you please explain <laughs> yourselves? Like, what is going on here? And VW was you know, unsurprisingly beating around the bush for a little while. 
But then when the agency is involved in approving new car models, we're like, no, guys, seriously, like we're not approving your new 2016 diesel cars until you talk to us about what's going on. Until that point, they didn't really say anything. But since those models that were, you know, their approval was being held would account for 25% of VW's U.S. sales, they were kind of just like, well, fuck, you got us. And in September 2015, VW admitted to knowingly installing a sophisticated software algorithm that permitted the diesels to reduce the amount of nitrous oxide emissions while undergoing testing. So this software is often referred to as a defeat device. So if you hear me say that, that's what I'm talking about. But as this breaks, the situation absolutely blows up. VW sold over 2 million cars with this defeat device in it, and they completely pushed the idea that their cars were clean in widespread marketing campaigns. They deceived the government. They deceived the public, their customers, stakeholders, pretty much everybody. So they just fucked it up big time. But like, how did this happen? <laughs> Essentially, they girl bossed too close to the sun on this one. <laughs> their growth goals and their environmental promises were just too big. And all of that immense pressure, like you remember that, like, you know, vision 2018 thing, like it just there was too much pressure and that caused engineers to cut corners and executives to turn a blind eye. You know, a lot of this happened behind closed doors. So it's a little bit unclear still as to like or there at at least isn't that much like out and about on the internet about exactly what the executives pressure people into doing or you know vice versa how people found out but like basically it's clear that like a lot of people knew what was going on Mm -hmm. but ultimately they lost like VW lost massively in all of this Not only did they lose huge amounts of trust in sales, completely undermining their original growth goals, but on October 25th, 2016, U.S. District Court Judge Charles Breyer approved a $14.7 billion settlement, which included a $10 billion buyback program. Anyone who purchased diesel cars from VW before September 17th, 2015 was eligible to sell their car back to the company for anywhere between $12,500 and $44,000, obviously depending on make, model, how long they've had it, the condition of the car. Um, and leases were able to receive cash mm. value between $2,600 and $4,900. Um, and then owners and leases who sold their cars or quit their leases before June 28th, 2016, were also able to receive some compensation. Three quarters of people who bought the cars opted into this buyback program. So you can just imagine how much money that was. And then anyone who didn't opt in was able to receive between uh, $5,100 and $10,000 to compensate for diminished resale value plus a free emissions fix. Wow. Yeah. So lots and lots of money. I was just going to say it also makes me think of like, all the companies that have net zero by 2050 goals mm. and like this idea that like we're all well especially those executives are like procrastinating on their homework and so then it's like fuck we promised this thing yeah. or like we're talking a big talk about this being so like innovative we better like actually do it but they've 
not yeah. gotten to the not done the pre-work mm-hmm. for it. And so then it's just like, okay, how the focus becomes like, how can we make it seem like we're yeah. doing something as opposed to like actually doing the work? Or just the idea that like you can't do everything and you can't have everything. You can't make yeah. clean cars that drive exactly like maybe other cars. I know people are really, really into electric cars and say that like like people who are really into driving in cars and stuff like electric cars because they're zippier and fun to drive. So mm-hmm. saying that clean cars aren't fun to drive is not true. But like saying that, you know, diesel cars or clean running cars are going to run exactly like the cars before, you know, maybe isn't exactly going to be the case. Yeah. And then also while working on environmental goals and innovating and like advancing technology, that might not be exactly compatible with literally doubling your sales goals. Like maybe we need to have more focused goals um, and like focus on one thing at a time as opposed to environmental goals and extreme, extreme growth. They weren't like, oh, like yeah. let's increase our our sales goals year over year by 5%, 10%. They were like, no, we're doubling our worldwide sales in the next 10 years. So just all of those goals together were just kind of unrealistic, kind of impossible. And that's what led to all of this. So I think good point. Like if a company is promising too much and it seems impossible, maybe it is. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that, you know, car companies, car manufacturers, whatever, can't get to zero emissions. Like companies can't get to that net zero. It just like maybe they can't do it while also like t- doubling their sales over the course of the decade. Yeah. Um. So just, yeah, things to keep in mind for future red flags and, you know, scammers. Current red flags. Current red flags, future red flags, things to keep our eye out for as we adopt global goals for the environment. Yeah. But yeah. So again, that giant goal, that growth goal, essentially they cut corners and it just bit them in the ass and like undermined all of that. Like if they just were honest or whatever, like they would have kept on their path of growth. But on top of VW, all of a sudden now owing everybody so much money owners of the cars were also eligible to receive up to 350 dollars each as a part of a separate 327.5 million dollar settlement with bosch who was the supplier of the emissions software and leases were able to receive 200 dollars from them as well i'm not entirely sure the level to i mean i'm sure they knew about it too like it's just hard to I mean, it's not hard to believe, but it's a little hard to believe that like so many people were involved in doing so something so like blatant, blatant. Yeah, obviously fraudulent, like fraudulent and yeah, illegal, fraudulent, dishonest, very much deceiving all of their customers, the public, the government, literally everyone. But it happened. And then on January 11th, 2017, the U.S. Department of Justice announced $4.3 million in criminal and civil penalties and a total of eight current and former executives were charged with various crimes. On August 21st, 2017, engineer James Liang, uh, who pled guilty to his charges, was sentenced to 40 months in prison and a $200,000 fine. Similarly, 
former general manager of VW's office in Michigan, was sentenced to seven years in prison and a $400,000 fine as he was a key conspirator who knowingly misled and lied to government officials, according to U.S. District Court Judge Sean Cox. Um, A corporate compliance monitor was also set to watch VW for three years under the terms of its probation. So there are tons of different proceedings that went on and are still continuing. So I'm not going to go through like every single one and every single allegation and recall of cars and yada, 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 because it's a lot of them. But judges in Germany just sat down on September 16th of this year. So super, super recently to hear evidence against four former VW employees, the former VW chief of development, his chief of design engineer, the head of the powertrain and electronics department at the VW branch, and a former team leader in the exhaust treatment unit. So these former VW employees will face commercial fraud and tax evasion charges because thousands of former VW customers were able to claim tax credits in Germany for uh, for the vehicle's alleged low emissions level. Oh, wow. Um, and organized fraud can be punished with up to 10 years in jail in Germany. So we'll see how that plays out. A lot of people think former VW Group Chief Executive Martin Winterkorn should also be part of that group as it's pretty much impossible that he didn't know about everything going on. Because um, I guess he was like, very into knowing like every single bolt that went into every single car so people are like hey buddy i think you might have known something um <laughs> yeah um but apparently he was quote unable to appear at these court proceedings going on which i i just don't know if like you know i was suspected of something i was just like i can't come i actually i have a meeting <laughs> I'm busy. Um, so like, I don't know like what that means. But anyway, it's unclear if he will be facing trial. But overall, a lot of people were involved in making this fraud possible. And it seems like they and VW as a whole have been held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Uh-huh. But aside from the lies, I think it's important to recognize exactly the consequences of these people's actions. So research spearheaded by MIT scientists predicts that the excess particulate matter and nitrogen oxide emissions produced by the fake clean diesel vehicles lead to roughly 60 premature deaths in the U.S. and 1,200 in Europe, which I think it's important to point out that the Cleaner Act and EPA standards are put in place around human health. They're not just like pulled out of thin air as some random, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) you know, wishful thinking, clean environment idea. So really any violation of those standards has a direct impact on the health of real people, which also means violations often directly translate to the deaths of real people. And again, I feel like it's easy to put like a little glossy finish on environmental goals and that, you know, meet, meeting the goals mean, means we did a good job and we get a little pat on the back and maybe some like magical tree pops up out of the ground somewhere and the forest is happy or something like that. But like it directly translates to people being able to survive in the environment that we all share. Right. And in the same way, not meeting environmental goals means that likely somebody dies, which again comes back around to part of the like whole reason why 
I was like, yeah, I think this podcast will be really fun to do. And the format that we've chosen, because (laughs) I think that true crime, while it has a lot of problematic fixations, I think it's really fascinating. And I think this VW case plays into that idea very well. And again, like the extent to which this problem has been addressed because the fraud was just absolutely so blatant and they were you know, tricking the government. They were tricking people with a lot of money. They were held accountable. But I just wonder sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, if people on the internet started talking about situations like this, you know, maybe situations that aren't quite as scandalous and glamorous as VW tricking everybody, like we talk about, you know, John Bernay Ramsey or The Staircase or any other true crime thing that people just, like, fixate over theories and what could have happened and whatever well even everyone talking about gabby petito and everyone talking about gabby petito like what would that look like if we talked about the environment like we talked about that because it's Mm -hmm. it's oftentimes the same thing but yeah just i guess like one thing i've been thinking a lot about lately especially when i start to feel stressed out about everything is just how scary it would be if we were experiencing climate change but like had no idea why like if the world were getting hotter and hotter if all these crazy storms were starting to pick up and become more severe and wildfires were becoming more severe and we just didn't know why yeah and we didn't know how to stop it like that would be so scary but we're in a situation where we kind of do know no absolutely do know yeah like we know down to the corporation, down to the individual people. Like we know we could find their names and go talk to them and be like, what's up? So since that's the case and those corporations, those individual people who are violating either regulations that are in place or maybe regulations that we should be striving towards, like it's causing the deaths, murders, however you want to put it, mm-hmm. of actual or real human beings. So and people, I mean, people are jumping on that. But I just wonder if the whole, you know, power of the true crime internet team together and um, treated the climate crisis as like a case to be solved. Right. Um, what that would look like. And also, yeah, it's like, well, especially with the Gabby Petito case, we've seen so much conversation of like even in those same areas, mm-hmm. um, indigenous and people yes. of color have mm-hmm. gone missing in those areas and had yes. no response like, you know. Mm-hmm. People have not gotten involved nearly on the same level. And then the way that people mm-hmm. have jumped on this case, especially young white women, has been like, yes, um, yes. even those with the best intentions are not necessary. They're they're not helping the situation and they're like yes. treating it as this like um, entertainment thing, entertainment and this like mystery to be solved. But that has real yeah. human consequences. And that's like kind of the maybe yeah like a nugget of the true crime storytelling community that is just like deeply problematic but a lot of those issues like human issues sort of go away if you're talking about environmental crimes like the the villain might be human likely is human but like the victim is not necessarily human even though there are human impacts you know what i'm trying to say like some of those ethical quandaries go away a little bit yeah i think it's less you know ignoring people's real lives yeah people's family members being respectful and also maybe blowing one case out of proportion while tons of 
like indigenous women are missing and that never makes the news like right all these people that are you know missing and don't get that care from the community even if that (laughs) that attention can be really problematic but like these are situations that are affecting entire communities and oftentimes those communities are asking for help yeah so like there's a very real place where people could step in and you know try to raise awareness try to get to the bottom of what's going on that I think would not be problematic yeah um can I tell an, another example I can think of that's coming to mind, like in addition to this emissions scandal uh-huh. is, again, a plug for trace material, maybe mm-hmm. the last one. Um, I'm a research assistant on that podcast. And a couple of months ago, we had a two part episode that was about PVC, which is polyvinyl chloride. The first episode of that, like whatever, the first part is talking about um PVC in factories and factory workers who had like mm. insane exposures to PVC and developed yeah. these really rare cancers. But like there's a cluster of these rare cancers in places where a lot of people work or drink water from mm-hmm. um, near these factories. And like there's proof that higher ups were ignoring or changing records to say like, oh, no, this person actually wasn't exposed, even though like the exposure was already marked before they got sick. And then Mm -hmm. a transition out of that is that like in um, because sometimes like those have been prosecuted in wrongful death convictions, stuff like that, where there's Mm -hmm. like a little bit of accountability, although not nearly enough and not nearly equivalent to like having your loved one still be here. But yeah, then like the next the part two is called out of the factory because it's talking about how um, PBC. Well, part of it is about how PVC used to be in hairspray. And so there's like an unknown number of people who developed severe illnesses because they were exposed to hairspray. Like even in the salon that they went to, especially Mm -hmm. hairdressers, people that were like around hairspray a lot, you're spraying it right in your face. And that was scarier for companies than their workers becoming sick because that made their liability unlimited to the public. And that was like what scared them. Not that like thousands and thousands of people might get sick, but that like unlimited liability. So they took it out of, it was just used as like a a way to spray the aerosol. It wasn't like an actual part of the product. Um, But like, yeah, there's so many stories like that that are true crime esque stories yeah have that little glean but like yeah we don't talk about even communities yeah that are close to like industrial stuff where a lot of trucks go by like yeah people have really terrible asthma people have breathing problems you know yeah suffer all sorts of health conditions like it's it's literally everywhere and it's so widespread like if you started sniffing around your own community community or you know surrounding area i'm sure you could find something, whether it's with water or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just my like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if we were all like, all right, <laughs> we mean business. We're going to solve this mm-hmm. um, and, you know, talk about it. Because, again, like one last thing, I think that we would see a little bit of a shift too from doomism, nihilism, like, oh, well, this is just how it is and it sucks to somebody needs to be held accountable for this like who caused this right and how can we make it better which i know i would love to see Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so i think we're a long way from that but it's just something that's so interesting and it's it's wild that it just happens literally everywhere and people just get away with it because that's just how we operate yeah um but yeah there's like 
at the same time, it's like when we started this podcast, we were like, oh, are we going to have enough stories? And no, there are mm-hmm. so many more stories. We could do this podcast for 20 years and still not be done. Yeah. We could solve the crime climate crisis and then still like go back and be like what happened with this i mean not single-handedly like we could be done you know whatever let's no, say I we know you mean. net zero by 2050 and we're still releasing weekly episodes we could go back and be like what happened with this yeah who procrastinated on their homework yeah maybe we could uh t- start telling success stories um, yeah and communities that have since thrived and whatever but yeah i have well <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of that to talk about in my story. So can I yes, jump into it? Please. I am so excited about this. <laughs> Me too. I Okay. So I had another story tentatively planned for this episode, which I will do soon. Um, but we realized that it really did not fit tonally. Like you texted me and you're like, I want to call my section cheaty, cheaty, bang, bang. And I was like, wow, I love that. Also, that's going to go terribly with like the kind of serious story that yes. I want to tell. And so yeah. we were like, yeah. maybe I should look into something else. And so as a joke, I searched, is cars propaganda for the automobile industry? And although not very much came up, we thought the idea was really funny. And so here we are. Uh-huh. So I really don't have very many sources for this. It's mostly cars and cars too. But I did get a little bit of stuff from Huffington Post, um, from The Hollywood Reporter. And then I have some further reading on a term that I'm going to mention later on that I think you're really going to okay. like. Okay. Um. So everything I'm about to say is maybe a bit of a stretch or like reading too much into a Pixar movie, but like, who cares? I don't think so. I mean, I watched Cars 2 this week. Yes. And I was like, after researching my story, I was like, wow. Also, Cars 2 came out a decade ago. Yeah, came out a decade ago. And also before any of the VW emission stuff Mm -hmm. happened. So I was just like, how did they not know (laughs) they were? I was just like, I was just like, wow, life imitates art. This is incredible. Yeah. Um, And like as someone who studied screenwriting, whatever, um, as part of my English minor, like I think that stories are so important and especially Pixar or just like animated movies, movies for children mm -hmm. are so important, not only in like the way that children internalize a lot of those messages but also Mm -hmm. like you know just the way that we talk about our society is so interesting and so Mm -hmm. I was like very surprised by what I found also spoilers ahead if you haven't seen either of those but like if you if you haven't seen yeah cars or cars 2 yeah you've had also you've had 10 years and 15 years I think yeah (laughs) so that's just for that Um, But so for Cars 2, it's like that's where we really get into the electric car debate and the influence of big oil. I'm so Mm -hmm. I almost didn't watch that one. I'm so glad I did. But let's start with the original Cars. So Cars is a 2006 Pixar movie. It was distributed by Disney about a car named Lightning McQueen, who is a hotshot race car who gets waylaid in Radiator Springs, where he finds the true meaning of friendship and family. That's the log line. Um, so obviously the main characters in these movies are anthropomorphic cars. So they talk about gasoline mm-hmm. like we talk about food or water. 
Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of references, both big and small, to the fact that cars run on gasoline. Like, for example, going to grab a drink at the gas station to, like, calm down. Um, <laughs> you know, the most coveted racing sponsorship comes from Dynaco Gas Company, um, whose mm-hmm. logo is Dinosaur, which is a myth. Maybe we can get into another time. But um, Dynaco is definitely based on, I think it's pronounced Sunico, like the real gas company. Okay. And it's kind uh-huh. of an amalgamation of a couple. Um, but none of that stuff really struck my interest. There weren't any particularly interesting references to gasoline, aside from it just kind of like being an essential part of life. But uh-huh. the original idea for the film was called The Yellow Car, and it was a story inspired by the children's book The Ugly Duckling. It featured a foreign huh. three-wheeled electric car who enters a small American town and strives to be accepted by the locals who are at first suspicious of them for being different. Hmm. Um, and it was inspired by a real story, which was the poor reception of the Danish Mini L three wheeled single person electric car of like the 1980s, early 90s. I'll put a post of it on our worldisburning.com, our website. But I sent you a picture, at least so you could see yes. it. Um, it was it's like a really cool car, but it was meant. Yeah. For a single person. I think there are like what were those other mini? I think they're called minis like other single person person electric vehicles that just like kind of get made fun of because they don't go super fast on the highway but for everyday usage they're actually really incredible um Mm -hmm. but yeah that was what inspired that original idea for the first cars film um and then it got like they decided that having a foreign character they wanted someone that was like bigger and stronger which is just so freaking american yeah. But um, so we end up with Lightning McQueen, but then little pieces of the original yellow car kind of go into Cars 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were two other elements of the original movie that I found really interesting and that directly relate back to this podcast. The first is this sort of central message of the movie, which is that glory doesn't mean much if you don't have anyone to share it with. They talk a lot about mm-hmm. the power of the collective and community and the pitfalls of individualism. Obviously, a lot of kids' movies are about the power of teamwork. So it's not like this is like incredibly mm-hmm. revolutionary or in, like different. But I wanted to note it nonetheless, especially when we talk about like how destructive, especially American individualism, is to a lot of like ideas of of change. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the movie, Lightning McQueen, who's the main character, is this ego-driven rookie racer who doesn't think twice about like firing his fueling team. He puts his nose up at his lowbrow sponsor from like a bumper ointment company called Rusty's, <laughs> which is just funny. Um, and he like dreams of having the Dynaco gas company sponsorship because that's what all the biggest racers have. Um, his agents like, hey, you can, you know you tied for this race. You're going out to the next one, um, which is in LA. His agent's like, you can, you can give me the name of 20 of your friends or three of your friends, I think. And like, I'll, I'll give them free tickets. And Lightning McQueen like pauses because he doesn't, can't think of any friends that he has. And his Mm -hmm. agent's like, oh, don't worry. I bet you can't narrow it down. Like, tell me later. So basically it's very clear that this character is a bit of a dick. um, Mm -hmm. Very arrogant. And yeah, he doesn't have much of a community behind him, but he's also very talented. So when they're driving out to LA, he makes his 18-wheeler that's driving him drive straight through the night to get to Los Angeles. Um, And Mm -hmm. they get stranded because the the truck falls asleep. And he learns 
Lightning McQueen learned slowly that this hubris is not going to get you very far. And so, yeah, I know I'm reading too much into it, but I think this sort of, especially this world of like super all-American world of cars and NASCAR and like Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts, which used to be my favorite song, um, and just like being the best. It's really great mm-hmm. to see this like cocky rookie get taken down a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other element that I think relates back to the podcast is this sad moment of the second act, which is the shriveling of many of the bustling small Southwest towns when the interstate highway was put in. So mm-hmm. Lightning McQueen, like once his um, the 18 wheeler that's driving him falls asleep, he gets stranded on the side of the road and like ends up going way off, like following mm-hmm. uh, what ends up to be the wrong truck into this almost ghost town where all of these like very small town people car people live Mm -hmm. and like you know there's all these old signs and everything's pretty dead and rusted over whatever um Mm -hmm. and so he goes out like one of the locals takes him out to see the interstate highway and he begins to understand that like when this interstate highway was put in is when that town started being bypassed. It's called Radiator mm-hmm. Springs, which used to be, it's what's well, still on Route 66, but no one goes that way anymore. So it's like killed this small mm-hmm. town. So yeah, the, this character Sally tells Lightning that 40 years ago, the interstate didn't exist and that the road didn't cut through land like that interstate. It moved with the land, you know? It rose, it fell, it curved. And cars didn't drive on it to make great time. They drove on it to have a great time. <laughs> just just mm-hmm. cute. But we've <laughs> we've mentioned the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956. And that, I think, is what she's referring to. That lines up pretty much with um, when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Which is just so interesting to see that. I saw that a bunch of the writers and animators went out on like a bunch of road trips to this Southwest area in order to get inspiration and to be able to like draw this whole scene um uh-huh. because it it's like it's just so true of like how that happened to so many little towns that were completely mm-hmm. sipped away and like now have to go have to travel a long ways along the interstate just to get to grocery stores or um I don't know convenience like to have a sense of community and a lot of that gets left mm-hmm. with um with the highway so on to cars too and by the way, um, neither Cars nor Cars 2 passes the Bechdel test, which is the very mm-hmm. low, low bar that a film has to have two non-male characters speak to each other and have that conversation not be about a man. Um, Sally mm-hmm. is like lightning sort of love interest in the movie. And she's like really the only female character I can think of. Like not, not a big part of it at all. Everyone else is male. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to throw in briefly a word that I came across this week, which is petromasculinity. Have you heard that term before? Okay. Not specifically, but it makes sense. Yeah. And so this could be a down the rabbit hole in and of itself, but petromasculinity describes the relationship between fossil fuels and white patriarchal rule. That was from Tufts Daily. And there's, I'm going to put further reading on the website of um, all the stuff about petro masculinity and like the alt right, especially in the U.S. and like the Proud mm-hmm. Boys. Um, there's this yeah. like really great research article about it. But like basically, I don't know. Yeah, there's just this like deep connection between fossil fuels and white patriarchal rule and feeling the threat of their 
rule being taken away and also the like, I don't know, yeah. phallic is the right word, like drilling and extraction and like those being associated with masculinity. Yeah, which I will say that something that has stuck in my mind so strongly and I don't know if I specifically said it in our electric cars episode about like electric trucks and stuff, mm-hmm. but it ties in so well. But the idea of trucks in America, like pickup trucks going from like normal size pickup trucks to just like regular people driving what should be a commercial sized pickup truck Mm -hmm. just around causes a lot more fatalities on the road. And the fact that women and minorities are either more likely to be pedestrians or women are more likely to drive normal sized vehicles. Mm than incredibly huge pickup trucks. Obviously, the rule is never per- like perfect, but just like generally speaking in the population, women have smaller cars. So if they get in car crashes with these huge ginormous should only be used or should only really be saved for commercial use, they are more likely to die. So mm-hmm. women are more likely to die on the road, which wow. is also just like a crazy and like specifically in America because that's like something that happens specifically in America. So just like weird, yeah, weird little consequences of, you said petro-masculinity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just like weird side effects of that. Yeah. But it's like literally deadly to all other groups of people, essentially, other than, you know, men and specifically white men. Yeah. And just like making literally everything about their freaking dicks. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like you always hear that, cars in the u.s are so much bigger than like in other places and then there's like this yeah association of like the large car with like the small ego or just like hyper masculinity so Mm -hmm. yeah that's like a little bit of an interesting aside but i feel like there's not it's not completely a coincidence that this movie that's all about cars doesn't Mm -hmm. feature i i don't know all of the voices but like I know the two main characters are voiced by Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy it's like it's Mm -hmm. vast majority is white men um yeah not saying that they are like complicit in this but like whatever it's a part of it so Mm -hmm. on to Cars 2 which is kind of like where there's a little bit more to dig into and you've seen that one recently too so that helps yes So basic plot of Cars 2 is that Lightning McQueen and his best friend from this small town of Radiator Springs, Mater, who's voiced by Larry the Cable Guy, um, they go to an international World Grand Prix race and Mater gets caught up in an espionage mission um, Mm -hmm. with the voice of Michael Caine. So Mm -hmm. the whole movie, I think, is a big tribute to like the Italian job and other classic like Michael Caine slash classic car slash spy movies. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of little nuggets of that in there. And this was also the goal of this movie was to bring cars to an international audience. So they do that by Mm. bringing the cars characters internationally. They're in like, I think it's Mm -hmm. Tokyo, London and Italy, like all around the world. And Mm -hmm. so we hear the story of Miles Axelrod, who becomes the sponsor of the World Grand Prix, but who's like, 
had gone on a worldwide trip and get, got stranded, lived off of nature, mm-hmm. comes out of like the forest all like covered in mud and dirt and basically comes back and turns into an electric car. He says like he goes and lives off the land once he, once he gets stranded. So the idea is that like he's living off the land as opposed to like he can't rely on fossil fuels anymore. So he develops this alternative mm-hmm. fuel called all in all, which is featured in the Grand Prix race. A bunch of the cars start using it and it's meant to be like, yeah, an alternative to gasoline. And so all the cars start using it. The espionage mission kind of starts and they realize that there's this electromagnetic ray that they can target at those cars, which will make their engines explode if they have all in all in them. Spoiler alert. Once you get to the end of the movie, you realize that Miles Axelrod, who used to be a big oil person, actually created this all-in-all fuel in order to try and take down and give alternative fuel a bad name so that cars would go back to gasoline and maybe even in the process develop a greater loyalty or a greater affection for gasoline that they require in order to do their races. Mm. So... It's a direct shot at big oil in a lot of ways that really surprised me. Like, it's not particularly, yeah. uh, what's the word? Not implicit. What's the word? Not particularly n- nuanced. No, that's not the word. Sorry. Subtle. It's not particularly yeah. subtle. Sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> and um, it also did really well in red states and was like, also did really well mm. internationally. So, Cars 2 is set overseas. Um, with big oil playing the enemy, and it grossed sixty-eight million in the red states, and actually underperformed in the on the east coast. Interesting. So yeah, there's like also one line at the end. Once they kind of figure out what Miles Axelrod has been doing this whole time, and this this person mm-hmm. who was supposed to be like the face of the green future is actually I don't know a ploy for big oil. One of the mm-hmm. characters is like, "Once big oil, always big oil, man." Because they're trying to figure Mm -hmm. out why Lightning McQueen's car did not explode when he was like zapped with the ray. And it's because his fuel team, which is from the small town of Radiator Springs, had not given him all in all because they didn't trust Miles Axelrod. And then Mm -hmm. they call that person who calls out Big Oil, they call them a tree hugger. Did you catch that? They do, yes. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, Yeah, and I love it was they, they swapped it out with that like the hippie trucks like all natural biofuel yeah. man like it was so funny but like yeah great yeah all natural sustainable organic biofuel <laughs> which is still probably you know emit stuff but that's a whole other discussion yeah that we're not going to get into because of a children's movie I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah I thought it was great I thought and then like again watching the watching it after researching the VW emission scandal and the idea of like something under the hood of the car, you know, being bad for the environment while using green marketing and greenwashing Mm -hmm. to sell a product. I was just like, oh my gosh, all of the parallels are crazy, which I mean, I think is just kind of a product of a lot of greenwashing things happening in exactly the same way Mm -hmm. or just like technologies being introduced that actually have like a lot of other issues with them right well anything I mean even going back to VW like if anything is the all-in-all solution like the Mm one-for-one solution 
maybe it yeah. really is too good to be true, especially, yeah. you know, obviously they're not getting into the details of like, how can all these cars that are made to run on gasoline, how can they just immediately swap in this all in all fuel and like everything is supposed to be fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like Tesla's, which like obviously electric cars are great, but then like there's issues with lithium and lithium mining mm-hmm. and like the ethical nature of that. And like, what is the environmental impact of using those materials? So. Yeah, I just thought it was cool. Yeah. And like, yeah, if you're marketing something as like a perfect solution where like you don't have to adapt in any way, it's like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Something could be off or just more complicated because. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so (laughs) my final thing was like, is if this is propaganda of any sort, it's probably sort of liberal propaganda, which is what some like conservatives website conservative websites had said about Mm -hmm. cars too but actually like just because this movie ended up being about big oil did not mean that it performed well in like blue states in the u.s it actually like i said Mm -hmm. underperformed in those states um but did really well and in red states and so like that's also another interesting thing of like just because something is about sustainable solutions does not mean that that's gonna like make people flock to it as a good story so yeah or or maybe that people were like, vroom, vroom, spy cars. Yeah. And like, that's what they got out of it. And like, they didn't unpack the like, oh, big oil. Like, maybe we should rethink our entire, you know, system that we live around. Right. Which, yeah, it's maybe yeah. too much to ask of a movie. But this is my proposal to, to Pixar. Um, they mm-hmm. have gone on to make... I know there's a Cars 3 I haven't seen. There's a lot of like animated shorts. There's also Planes, which came out in 2013, which based on my brief skim of the plot doesn't deal with the the environmental impacts of Planes very much, not to anyone's surprise. But wouldn't it be great to have a Trains episode, a public transportation Mm. Pixar film it's talking about working together and for people. I guess it would be a little bit complicated to have public transportation in a world where the cars are the people. But I mean, there was what? Thomas, the tank engine. True. Wildly popular train show. Yeah. So like little kids love trains. Kids love trains. Yeah. Like that. Just like let the kids love trains and then continue to love trains forever. Um. And not cars. Yes. And just like have more public transport because we don't need to completely Mm -hmm. get rid of cars in order to have an equitable system. But like there should be Mm -hmm. other options. Not everything should be designed for cars. So (laughs) that's my that's our take, I guess, on cars and cars, too. (laughs) I thought it was really fun to look into. And I just like, yeah, Pixar movies are really fantastically done as a whole like Mm -hmm. just for distilling ideas into something that's like Mm -hmm. applicable and entertaining to a large audience generationally Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's worthwhile to look at too especially um when storytelling otherwise can feel so niche like Mm -hmm. it's cool to look at stories that are meant for mass appeal and how they can like really tackle big oil even though obviously this one Pixar movie did not solve like our fossil fuel dependence um yeah it's okay but yeah cars to solve the climate crisis. yeah the end that's it uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be great um, um but yeah but yeah i'm so glad you did that <laughs> i don't know if, did you have anything else to add to that 
No, I'm good. Okay. It's time for the dump. Yeah. Let's let's do it. I have really just like one thing. I mean, I think both of us have been like so insanely busy that it feels like yeah. to distill well, to talk about anything and my brain just feels like goop. But I watched a documentary yesterday that I've been wanting to watch for a while. Um that I watched for school, but I think it's worthwhile to talk about. It's called Feels Good Man. Have you seen that? No. It's it came out last year. It's about Pepe, the frog meme. So uh, it follows the original illustrator of Pepe who like made Pepe just as part of his own work like over a decade ago and like follows that meme as it slowly just first went viral and then how it got picked up by the alt-right and then how eventually mm-hmm. the creator Matt Fury who's this like incredibly laid back like very not involved in politics easygoing person how he ended up in a couple of lawsuits and like fighting to try and get his drawing back not only for copyright reasons Mm. but also just so that it does not become this like absolute symbol of white supremacy and hate and yeah Donald Trump and all of that so it's really good gorgeous illustrations and like kind of trippy almost illustrations in it too so and like it does Sometimes it's hard for documentaries to be super internet-y and still like feel like they're on the pulse. And I feel like this one did a really good job of that. Very cool. I'll have to, I'll have to watch that. Yeah. It sounds really interesting. Because yeah, honestly, that's that's wild to have like something that you made get co-opted by a terrifying group of humans. Yeah. And like, how do you <laughs> take it back? Especially if you don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's super interesting. Like the internet. That's like a Hydra situation where like once you get one thing under control, like it pops up the world. Yes, exactly. It's impossible. So it's I watched it on Canopy, which is like you can sign up for with your library card. But it will like the availability will depend. But it's available for like a couple bucks on a bunch of different websites, too. So that's that. Okay, cool. I need to get a library card. Do it. I, I like walk by a library all the time walking the dog. And I'm always like, I should just get a library card. It'll take you two and, minutes. Yeah. And I just haven't. But I need to. Yeah. And then you can sign up for Libby, too, which is great for audiobooks. Yes. yes. So that needs to happen. And then, yeah, my life has just been, like, kind of all over the place. Lynn's parents are in town. I'll be up in New York this week. So hopefully I'll actually get to see one person. For the first time since we started this podcast, by the way. In forever. Um, so I'm excited for that. Seeing Harry Styles this week. So jealous. Um, so, uh, lots of stuff going on. Poe, dealing with Poe still. (laughs) Anybody, if any, uh, you know, (laughs) hit us up with any of your like climate story ideas, or if you have successfully trained your puppy not to bite you, Mm. um, would love to hear any tips because I feel like I'm trying everything and it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. So I've yet to find like a consistent fix for that. And he might just like lose his puppy teeth and stop. Mm. And it will, it will just like time will time will fix that little issue. But yeah, just between dogs and people in town. Yeah. Start a new part time job because I, you know, just need more activities mm-hmm. and money all the time. Yeah. And money is always good, too. Uh, so, yeah, this week has just been wild. And yeah, since Lance's parents are in town, I've eaten some really good food in the past couple of days. I feel like Austin is such a fun 
town to show people around and just be like, these tacos are great and these tacos are great. And just like, yeah, it's very fun. So that's kind of where I've been, just like a little bit everywhere Mm -hmm. uh, with very little time to breathe or sleep. Oof. But I feel that. Yeah, I feel that too. (laughs) I think like a lot of us, yeah, that's it's just like feeling overloaded with things, always having like a new project or something that's going on. Mm-hmm. Last week was um, New York Climate Week, which is which mm-hmm. meant like a lot of um, just going out to events and like trying to meet people. I went to the Fridays for Future March on Friday, which was fantastic. Um, great turnout there at City Hall. But it's definitely like a lot of people energy. And so this weekend I was like, I'm not talking to anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Should I do our socials? Yeah. Go for it. So you can find all of our information on our website, worldsburning.com. We have extended show notes up there, all of our contact information, everything. Um, You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at worldsburning with no G and on TikTok at worldsburning with a G. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for five stars, please. Um. And if you have less than five-star reviews, you can email us, worldsburningpod at gmail.com. Also, follow and subscribe wherever you're listening. It helps us out a lot. And yeah, we'll see you next time. See you next time.